I knew what I knew now, would I have started? <laughs> I think there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges you face all the way, and the answer is yes, absolutely. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about startups here in sunny Western Australia. We talk to startups, entrepreneurs, and innovators who have been there and done it, or are right here and doing it. My name is Danelle Cross, and my name is Steve Elias. And before we start, we'd like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast in the land of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. The Startup West podcast is brought to you by Startup News, thanks to the support from our sponsors, Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth and TechOn. In this episode, we speak to Tina Ambrose, CEO of recruitment agency Valrose and co-chair of Women in Technology WA, otherwise known as Wichwa. Tina, can you tell us about your startup business, what it does and how it's going? Yeah. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, So my startup business is a technology recruitment company called Valrose. So um, I started Valrose in March 2018 um, after being in recruitment, I think at the time, without wanting to give my age away <laughs> too much, um, I think I'd been in recruitment for about 14 years at the time. And I'd got a little bit disillusioned with, um, you know, I'd built teams for other other recruitment companies um, who were, were great at what they did, but I always did it with a people-focused um, mindset and with a community mindset and um, quite successfully. But then there was always this transactional reporting um, and management style that I would have to kind of weave into um, other organ- to respect other organisations and how they worked. And I just went, yeah, that's not what, how I want to lead anymore. And I'm not an authentic leader because of it. And I'm never going to do this unless I take the uh, take the leap and do it now. So I decided to open Valrose with one core purpose in mind, and that was to improve the perception of recruiters one interaction at a time um, with the mission of adding value to every person and company that we deal with um, and with five values. And now I'm really going to shoot myself in the foot here because I created these values and I always forget one and it's a different one every time <laughs> um, because I go, don't forget that one. So humanity was our first one. I remember speaking to my husband when I was kind of creating the, the concept of Valrose and he was like, you're not a charity. And I was like, no, but humans are mm. at the center of everything that we do in recruitment. And that has to be the number one value for us. And then uh, success and success is based off um, our, our clients and our candidate success is our success. So it's that collective um, desire to have that, that collective success. Mm. Um, accountability is a really big one for me. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not one to shy away from holding myself accountable and I think I have the same expectations for the team and the clients and the candidates that we work for as well. Um, here we go. Integrity is a massive one for me. I always said that if I had to be successful in business through um, methods that weren't integrity driven, I'd rather not be in business. Um, just the money's not worth it as far as I'm concerned. Curiosity. Well I didn't done. forget. You did Yay. it. Friday afternoon and all. <laughs> um, so curiosity was the final one. And I think that's such a big one for technology for people and businesses. And one of the things that I love about recruitment and why I'm still in the industry to this day is you really get to hear 
people's stories mm. and the stories of other businesses, much like you're doing today, and um, the evolution of technology over the past 16 years of me being in recruitment and just the the tech that's come and gone mm. and that's still to come. Um, yeah, so curiosity is a big one, specifically in tech recruitment. Love so, yeah. that, Tina. So human-centred recruitment, yes. which I just love. So um, Valrose has been going for about five yes. or six years, five or so years. Yeah, five and a half. Yeah. Yep. Um, can you just tell us how it's going? What Perhaps what are some of the challenges been throughout that time? Yeah. Oh, there's been some. Mm. Um, so we we weathered COVID mm. um, and I don't know whether we would have survived that without the government support that was afforded to people at the time, but actually we – utilized that as a real I think I can't remember who said it so I won't I'm going to really misquote it but it's really easy to demonstrate your values when things are going well um it's not so easy to do and you really see the test of how people lean into their values when things aren't going so well um so when COVID hit for us we all of the roles were put on hold. Lots of redundancies were being made, and I just said to the team, "We're not going to, we're not going to do what our competitors are and be knocking for the scraps of business that are around um, at the moment. The people that need us are the people that have been made redundant. Um, so we're just going to have to accept the fact that we're not going to be making any revenue over the next few months. But the people that need us are people that are living in COVID. They're in shutdown. They've just been released from their job. They've dealing with massive uncertainty. So we just gave free career counselling sessions with our time and spent the time upskilling um, focusing on improving our processes and systems because as a startup it's one of those things you put on your list and you never get a chance mm-hmm. to do because you're continuously um, actually delivering on work. So it turned out to probably be the making of us a little bit reputationally and system-wise. Um, having two kids um, in that time has been a challenge. I've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And um, I think Lacey Filipich said it at the conference last year when someone asked her how she does it all. Um, and it was like a supportive partner mm-hmm. really, really helps. Yeah. Um, but juggling that, I think I came in with a bit of a naive um, as, uh, thinking that running my own business would give me the flexibility to have a family without realising it means I've got three kids, not two. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, oh, what are the challenges? And I think this year as well, so there was the people came out of COVID and went, we still got our technical projects, we've still got this to do. There was like a big, like things haven't impacted everyone as much as they thought it had and you felt like people rehiring and stuff again. And now we're coming into the economic downturn and I think the team around me who are fabulous haven't gone through that so I, I you mm. know I've been through the GFC I've been here before and I'm um, just changing and adapting the the kind of focus areas in a new um, economic climate I think is is our current challenge but one that we're rising to and it's always really exciting beautiful thanks Tina look um probably some interrelated questions here if I may how have you funded the business from those early days? So the triple F, you know, family, fools, friends, and I guess <laughs> related to that, do you, do you have advisors or a board that you work with as well? Um, so I suppose this is that, so it, I bootstrapped, um, or myself and my husband bootstrapped. Um, he, um, we took some money out of the house and some, um, shares and put it into the business, um, 
it's quite a funny story. I was telling a colleague of mine, I was, my husband's probably going to kill me for saying this, but when I started it, it was predominantly, you know, that joint funding. He's very different to me. I'm quite visionary and I'm, um, he's a numbers man. Together we work quite well. Um, we complement each other quite well. Um, but that can obviously have its conflict. And I remember um, firing him as a director two months in and told him <laughs> that he was now an investor and I'd give him a return on investment. If he didn't get his return on investment in a year, then he could start questioning my business decisions. But until that point, he had to give me the year to do it. So I suppose you could class him as an investor. Um, but just I had this clear vision that was... Um, yeah, something that I was really wedded to and I needed the flexibility to do that. In terms of advisors, we don't have an board and we don't have advisors, but that was one of the reasons that I joined WITWA as a subcommittee member because I realised that I, you know, I'd been doing recruitment for a long time and you get like blind spots. And when there was no one above me that I had to be accountable to, I really needed uh, something external to the business to keep me grounded and to keep me learning. So I found that WIT was kind of been that community of like, like my unofficial board, don't tell them in case they weren't paying, but like just <laughs> having that community of women around me that I can lean on, ask questions to, and also I've learned so much being part of the central committee around, you know, governance and structure and board. And yeah, mm. that's been a real good one for me. And Tina, you've, you've just touched on it there, but I'd love to just explore your involvement with Witwa a bit as well. We all wear many hats, right? Yes. <laughs> and and you wear many, many hats. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how giving back and volunteering and helping with the ecosystem as you do so generously, you know, leading Witwa? Yeah. Um, how that has contributed both to, you know, perhaps your business success and, yeah. you know, and 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 you as well from your own personal brand and learnings yeah. as well. Yeah. I think well, funny enough, that was what my argument was over in that moment I spoke about was in 2018 Whitworth was hosting its first awards wasn't part of the central committee um, or the subcommittee at that time and I wanted to sponsor and the conversation was we haven't even covered our Mm. investment how can you justify giving $5,000 sponsorship like when you're not even making profit yet and it was such a no-brainer for me because it there was no better way for in my mind or quicker way in my mind to show to business develop right if i'm actually putting it crudely back it is mm. business development because i it shows what i stand for what values i hold and and it authentically was an organization that i wanted to succeed um and i i know that that benefit has come back tenfold um and you know, it was a decision that was the right decision at the time. And then time-wise, as a volunteer, um, again, I think you have to you have to really see that the cycle of, of benefit that comes with that. So it was Lacey that tapped me on the shoulder to, to take charge of Whitworth Socials initially. And I'd never, I've never been a marketing person. I had no idea, but I was like, please just say yes before she realises you've got no clue what you do and you'll figure it out along the way. Um, And she since told me she did know I didn't have a clue, but she'd saw my style on my own social media platforms. And based off that, I had to learn who's sweet. I had to look at marketing strategies for Whitwer and I took all of that learning back into my my business and the marketing strategies around that as well. So that was fabulous. And I had people around me that, you know, I lent on and and learned from and then the progression of that into taking on the co-chair role which is probably 
probably more daunting, if I'm being honest mm-hmm. with you, than starting my own business because massive shoes to fill. Um, in uh, you know, when Pia Turchkinov stepped down, um, and I, you know, massive imposter syndrome, and that's so visible because the accountability was bigger. I remember having a conversation with Pia at the time, going, "Why is it Whitworth that keeps me up at night compared to my own business?" And she was like, "Because you're just a custodian of Whitworth." And the buck stops with you and with Valrose. And yes, you have a team to look after, but yeah, you're a mere custodian of Whitworth at the time. And I was like, yeah, that is that is why. But I think that's been really healthy, a really healthy balance of perspectives. Um, yeah, I've learned so much about board governance and um, managing and myself and yeah, strong strong leadership styles. And yeah, it's been really, really valuable invaluable learning curve. No, that's brilliant, Tina. And I guess that's a good segue into asking you for perhaps both Valrose and Witwa, um, what are you trying to achieve in the next three to five years in, in both scenarios? Yeah, okay. Um, so with Valrose, uh, we've got expansion plans that we um, we had and then put on hold because of COVID and then we've kind of put pause for um, current. So we're in the kind of uh, looking after our WA demographic at the moment, but we have built strong relationships with international, big international tech companies that have reached out to us based on our reputation. So there's huge scope to expand through nationally and to London. Some of my London clients still call out to me and ask me to come back. Um, I think I'm at that interesting stage of there is a financial um, and energy effort to taking it to that next level. Mm-hmm. So the opportunities there, it's just taking the time to analyse how, if and how that is next for Whitworth. So long story short, um, there's lots of opportunities. I don't have the answer to the next three to five years. All I can guarantee is we will be continuing to deliver not just te- on technical roles, but we have expanded our, around marketing, HR, business support, finance and accounting, um, other areas outside of technology due to demand from our customers in WA. So we will continue to do that as leaders in the field for the next three to five years. Um, beyond that, yeah, not sure. The Whitworth uh, for the next three to five years, so we like when we uh, when I inherited the, the co-chair role, it had grown under um, the, the leadership of the previous central committee so quickly and so fantastically that it was just the, it's just this massive base. So the next kind of three years, I think, is transitioning from what's very much been, and we're, we're halfway through the process, what's very much been a working board um, to a more uh, strategic and governance focused board. And yeah, all of the all of the trials and tribulations and pain factors that come with that, but continuing with our conference, continuing with our awards. And we've won the WISE grant, which was the federally funded uh grant of seven hundred and eighty-six thousand dollars for our Tech Trails program. So I think we've got 43 events. Um, across the next two years to deliver and the development of our STEM discovery platform, which is going to be your one-stop shop for um, leading the way of STEM initiatives that are going to inspire more girls into the field of STEM. So that's a huge, uh, huge project that we've got over the next two years, which we're really excited about. 
two huge visions there. Yes. So that's amazing. <laughs> and thank you for talking us through both. It's it's really exciting, you know, both from a Valrose perspective yes. and from a Witwa perspective. Um, can you talk to us a little bit around how you would describe the local startup tech scene in WA? Yeah, it's I I found it fabulous. I think the thing I love most coming from London to WA is it's 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 such a unique it's such a unique place because you've got this huge amount of industry and and money, <laughs> but like where I think they say there's six degrees of separation. Mm. I think there's two maybe <laughs> at most in Perth. Um, and I think the most fabulous part about that is you've got a really good opportunity. If you're good at what you do and you are authentic and you actually deliver on what you say you're going to deliver, your reputation spreads so quickly. Um, and especially if you're someone that gives back to the community and people see that and they know that you're you're genuine around your reasons why. I think that, that there's so much to play for. So I think that it's it's really good to be in. Um, I think there's challenges around how we're viewed in WA nationally and internationally sometimes, but I think that there's a lot of, like, there's definitely a lot of work from some really super smart people in making sure that we are centre stage just beyond WA, I think. So I, I love it, like, West Tech Fest, um, Startup WA, the like Space Cubed was when I opened Faro's, we had two desks in the co-working space at Space Cubed and just, yeah, all of these fabulous organisations and fabulous people um, have a huge support network, I think, if it's if you're looking for it. And a shout out to the Startup West podcast sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth and TechOn. Tina, if we may, um, we'd like to get a little bit personal with you now. Um, <laughs> can we take you back through your career uh, from your school days? Uh, were you born in Perth, WA? Perhaps not with the accent, but please, <laughs> please let us know. Yeah, um, no, so I was actually born in Hayes in London, so um, West London lower socioeconomic area just outside of Heathrow. Um, Yeah, and moved here in 2016. So, yeah, life circumstances um, saw me pack one suitcase at the age of 33 um, and start again in wonderful Perth, WA, and it was probably the best decision I have ever made in my life. Well, lucky us here in Perth, but <laughs> in your school days mm-hmm. um, back in Hayes in London, where uh, what were your sort of favourite subjects? Was there a, a sort of an entrepreneurial spirit back then? Yeah, so funny enough, um, we I went to uh, grammar school, Langley Grammar School, and um, I remember opting for my GCSE subjects at the time and I we had you had the choice between geography uh history business studies and office administration and all of my girlfriends had opted in for office administration and I wanted following the crowd I went yeah I want to opt in for office administration and whatever teacher it was at the time and I don't know who it was went no sorry you're not doing that you've got to do business studies and I was fuming because I wasn't able to spend that time with your friends with my friends um but was probably one of those you know sliding door moments at the time that I'm super grateful for so um yeah I think that was a really I I really enjoyed that subject um yeah I don't know whether I initially 
I didn't have aspirations to be uh, an entrepreneur. I didn't, um, it wasn't in the life plan. I think probably other things happening in my personal life gave me some skill sets to, to take that risk, I think, potentially. Did you have any ideas of what you wanted to do post-school? Uh, did you have a while after school, university, things like that? I did. So I initially started college and started studying law, business studies, psychology and human biology um, for A-levels. But um, due to various different family circumstances, I actually found myself homeless um, when I was a teenager. So um, I was couch surfing um, through a friend's parents for a little while and then I spent some time in um, a place called the um, horrific place called the foyer in Slough in Berkshire, um, which was a homeless shelter for um, 16 to 24 year olds. And I think it was probably those circumstances where I had to, I realized that, so interestingly enough, um, you can get a student loan for university, but because it was between university, between Mm. high school and university, Um, I was legally old enough to live on my own, but was not legally old enough to um, seek financing for my education and, um, yeah, make a bunch of other decisions as a a 17-year-old. So I had to get a job. So I had many jobs. Um, I was a receptionist, accounts payable, waitress, barmaid, uh, groom, um, yeah, huge, huge amount of different jobs. Um, eventually got a scholarship in a, uh, in NatWest Bank, in the corporate banking sector, um, for a year, but, um, probably was too young to kind of really appreciate the opportunity that had given me at the time. Um, came out to Australia cause my dad, um, and my stepmom and little brother actually moved here in 93. Um, so I came out and spent a year on a working holiday visa, which was great fun, but probably not too productive. And when I went back, I actually fell into recruitment because um, basically I'd p- applied to stay on a last remaining relative visa, but I had an older brother in the ba- in, back in the UK. So that visa was refused. Um, so I had to go back to kind of being homeless in, in the UK again. And the only two careers that were a skilled occupation at the time that didn't require a degree was a state agency and recruitment consultancy. So I tried a state agency for a year and hated it. Um, I was all right at it, but just didn't really enjoy it. And then um, I just got approached by a tech recruitment company that was opening an office in Reading in the UK and called Computer People. Um, that then rebranded, then were taken over by the ADECO group and now is known as MODIS and I think maybe recently branded to a CODIS. Um, but yeah, was there for 10 years in Reading and then London offices and really enjoyed the career there. So yeah. Thank you for really openly sharing that, um, Tina. Yeah, I think the, you know, you talk about that entrepreneurial spirit, but I think your grit and your resilience, you know, that that must have been through that particular stage of your life. Yeah. You know, and and how that's, you know, possibly coming out in 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 other ways as Definitely. you're, you know, juggling and 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 you know, achieving as you are now. I did a talk at Meriden uh, for Tech Trails in Meriden and um it was it was the first time I did this this talk and I talk about from homeless and there's a picture of me 
in an Adidas tracksuit with scraped back hair, <laughs> like as a 16 year old. And um, I'm dressed similar to where I am today when I'm presenting. So I think the, the contrast of where I've been and where I've uh, and where I've got to um, in that story, I say superheroes aren't born from, um, you know, they don't go, oh, you know, they they had a mum and dad that stayed together. They had, you know, it helps if if mummy or daddy gives you a million dollars and there's some really successful, talented people that have had that. But it doesn't, it doesn't define your ability to achieve. And I think when you've come through adver- from adversity, it does give you that grit and resilience and th- that's needed um, as a business owner because it is like having a screaming third baby um, that, you know, there's a lot of challenges to face and a lot to navigate. Um, yeah, so I suppose the entrepreneurial spirit started when the way I got out of that homeless shelter was I uh, was working as a waitress at a um, restaurant chain called The Harvester at the time and I rented a three-bedroom house and got two of the people that I was working with at the time to sublet the two rooms and that was kind of how I got out of there. So just I suppose those ability to find mm. the solutions for things is always a bit of a task that's come out of those circumstances. Yeah, thank you. Um, so you moved to WA when you were 33, yes. I think you said, is that right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And we don't want to talk about age, do we? But anyway, no, no, you no, moved no, that's all good. I think I was the one who brought it up, so that's fine. <laughs> I can I say, because you brought it up. It, like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm, a bit, I'm the same as you, Tina. Absolutely on it. Um, so you were here in WA working for, were you still in recruitment at that stage for other companies? Yes, I was. So I actually, the reason for me coming out here was um, my, my dad had passed away suddenly, um, unfortunately here, and I have a little brother who's 10 years younger than me and a little sister who's 20 years younger than me. Um, so I wanted to come out to be closer to them, and it was kind of a bit of a pivotal life-changing moment where I looked at, you know, where I was at and what I was doing. And I kind of went, oh, this isn't, this isn't what my dad would have wanted for me or the gift of life that he'd given me. And yeah, just left, left every worldly belonging behind and came here. And I had got a sponsorship for another recruitment company at the time. Um, and I got it, which was which was fine, but just not a great values alignment for me. So I, it was quite one of the larger chains and it was very, very transactional. And I just went, no. So I made a move to another organization and built their Perth office for them. Um, quite successfully built the reputation around there similarly, but within other boundaries to what I've done for Valrose. Um, but again, got to that point where the the vision that I had couldn't fully be explored because I had these parameters that I didn't necessarily like it just, they didn't see the same vision and I just went, oh yeah, I've got to, I've got to just do this for myself to either, either prove that it's not going to work or, or I've just got to die on the sword or, or, or it, what I believe is going to work. So, and it has touch wood. Mm-hmm. So Tina, you've been on a five and a half year journey at this point. Yes. What do you know now you wish you knew at the start? God, I, I, <laughs> there's probably I don't know if I knew what I knew now, would I have started? <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges you face all the way. And the answer is yes, absolutely. What I wish I'd have known at the start, I, I think I just, just realizing how capable I actually was. Cause I, I really did come into this with, I take on board feedback cause I think it's the best way to learn, but the byproduct of that is sometimes you take on feedback that isn't actually for you or fair. So um, it's normally the negative voices in my head that I take the most notice of. So coming into this, I had all of that doubt and all of that 
um, concerned. And I think that often is the thing that breeds the behaviours I don't like in myself the most because it's when you kind of get defensive or you get stressed or, or whatever. And I think that coming into it with more confidence um, is and self-belief is what I would have now because I'd have known that it was where it worked. <laughs> That's awesome. There's something in that for all of us to take. So thank you yeah. stepping into our own power. All right. Speaking of power, we're going to go into our rapid quick fire round. Oh, God, Are okay, you I'm ready. ready? You um, ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. So first thing that kind of comes to your mind, what is the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? Oh, God. Okay. Um, I think the a clear vision, like 100% clear vision. If you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene, what would you wish into being? I think our comms strategy beyond WA is what I would want to get my teeth sunk into and get better. Yeah, that's a good one. Who do you most admire in the local tech scene, a company or a person? Oh, oh God, there's so many. Especially when you're the custodian of a large I know. community. <laughs> There like is so many. Choosing your favourite child here, it Tina. It is. I, I don't know. Like I have to say Pia is a is a powerhouse that I um, have been fortunate to follow the footsteps of. Um, so I will – but I, it's, it's a hard one because I am fortunate in my position to have met so many incredible men and women and those who identify beyond the binary as well um, doing great things. Tina, how can anyone listening help you? Oh, um – Look, at the moment, we, we've been in a really good place, Valrose-wise, for a very long time where we haven't had to uh, knock on new client doors because our reputation has preceded us and our referrals. And that's still the case. But um, we are looking to onboard about five new clients over the next 12 months that align to our values and that we trust to take care of the candidates that we place. So yeah, if if there's any help that we can ask for at the moment, it's like introducing us to clients that you think align with the Valrose values. Awesome. And last one, what do you do to get away from it all to relax and refresh, which as we know is really important? Probably drink way too much wine. <laughs> <laughs> that is an absolutely fair <laughs> assessment. Tina, thank you so much. It has been an absolute privilege um, to chat to you, uh, Steve and I, to chat to you today. Uh, thank you for really openly and authentically sharing. I think there was many, many messages in there. Um, but you. one in particular for me is around giving back to the ecosystem Absolutely. and something that you do immensely. And we thank you on behalf of the ecosystem for all the work you're doing and wish you and Valrose all the very best. I will say thank you for the ecosystem for everything I've got back in return. It's come back tenfold. Thanks, Tina. Also thanks to our sponsors, Startup West Podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth and Techon. We recorded this podcast at Riff Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, Western Australia. And don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite pod platform so our latest episodes appear in your feed. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Thank you.